Hello, Church of the Cross, and welcome back to the Ninth Avenue Nine. This is your host, Joel Bascom, pastor of Connecting and Equipping. It's June, and summer is upon us. This is episode number 11 of the Ninth Avenue Nine, and I continue to be so happy with the response I get from the community about the podcast. People chatting with me about what their picks would be, as well as just talking music with people. Mission accomplished. I always mention on the show how you can contact me if you want to be a guest, but keep in mind that if you are not into being recorded, you can email me your your list as well, and I would be happy to read it on a future episode. My email address is joel at ofthecross.org if you are interested in being part of the podcast. But now, on to episode 11. It was great to sit down and talk with Justin Van Ingen about music. So I hope you enjoy this chat that I had with him. Welcome back to the basement, everybody. My guest today is a longtime member of Church of the Cross. You have seen him up front with his wonderful singing voice helping us lead worship and also in the sound booth helping to give us a great experience on Sunday mornings. I have had the privilege of getting to know him over the years at church, especially as we met last summer for Portable Anglicanism. I will always remember seeing him perform Running to Stand Still, the great U2 song at the Jubilee service back in 2019. It is my pleasure to welcome to the show Mr. Justin Banding. Am I, Justin? Well, hi. Hello. So, did you have fun putting your picks together? <laughs> yes, yes I did. I had, like most of your guests, way too many people <laughs> and way too many albums, so I had to cut it back quite a bit. And before we get into uh, the music, um, how long have you been going to Church of the Cross? Boy, let's see here. I think uh, just over 11 years now. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you and I have been about the same time. Mm-hmm. I started in 2010. <laughs> yep. And I seem to remember also that we had a, a good uh, connection with music when it came to the Sunday school class that I once taught on uh, the music, The Faith of Johnny Cash. Yes. 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 That was really fun. Yeah. Thanks for doing that, by the way. You'll have to do that again sometime. It would be fun. I would mm-hmm. love to do it again. I probably have my notes still from it. Plus, I still have my record player that I used oh, during it. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> Great idea. And we're coming to you live from the from my office here at church. We I am starting to be able to do interviews in person again. So if you're interested in doing that with me, I am game. So go through the ground rules real quick. Right. You know them very well, but I'm going to remind the, uh, the, uh, the audience out there, you are locked in the basement of Church of the Cross for a year. You have a kitchen there, so you have food. <laughs> uh, you are allowed to take nine albums with you. You can take one book, uh, not including a Bible and Book of Common Prayer, because those are already down there, and you are entitled to one luxury item as well. Okay? Sounds fair to me. Well, fair? Well, yeah, it's an exile, but yeah. <laughs> I agree to these terms. You agree to the terms. Fair or not, but yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, with that in mind, uh, and uh, what is your first album? Oh, let's see here. Um, first album's by a guy named Steve Taylor. Steve Taylor? Yeah, and uh, the album name is Squint. Yes, Squint. Mm-hmm. Tell so, us about that one. Yeah, I'll tell you a little bit, and there's some story to this, and um, some of these albums overlap a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, but I'll get to this one. Steve Taylor is a musician. He's been around for a number of years now, uh, decades, and uh, these days he's kind of known for being behind the scenes. He had a record label in the late 90s, early 2000s. Okay. Um, if you know the band Sixpence on the Richer, yes, a lot of people know the song "Kiss Me." Um, mm-hmm. He directed the uh, the videos for that. He kind of rescued them from an obscure label and helped them achieve some level of success. Um, the Newsboys are a more okay. CCM band, mm-hmm. but if you've heard of them, he kind of did the same thing to them uh-huh. a few years earlier. Gave them some of the quirkiest lyrics you've ever heard. But he was known for a solo artist in the 80s, um, semi-controversial on some things, uh-huh. and took some years off and then came back in the 90s with a solo album called Squint. Okay. And uh, this is, I think, his only solo album from the 90s, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Um, very 90s sounding. It yeah. would sound kind of a pop uh-huh. alt-rock, but very much a rock album. Um Steve was known and still is known for having a pretty sharp sense of humor. Okay. Uh, 
very sarcastic at some points, very biting, very, very silly at other points. And on the other side, also being very, very serious and prophetic in his music, um, telling people kind of to watch the signs, watch the times, uh, to know what's coming ahead, and repentant in a lot of his music. Uh-huh. Um, at times, I really do think a lot of what he wrote... 30 years ago, 20 years ago, is relevant these days, Yeah. even if music styles change. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, oh, and as always, I'll be putting together a, a Spotify playlist with my friend Justin here. Uh, what are a couple of the cuts from that album that you would want to highlight if you were if you were going to be, I mean, obviously you get the whole album when you're in the <laughs> oh, basement, but what are, what, are, what are a couple of the, your favorite songs on there? Oh boy, let's see. Uh, there is a run of songs in here that uh, kind of are on a theme. And I would say the first one, and that is a song called Smug. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is his, again, very satirical idea of how to become smug. Yeah. And the whole song is about how you can present confidence even if you don't have it. Yeah. Uh, it's about showing off without showing off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very much aimed at the church and at people in general who want to present themselves as better than they really are. So it's um, not a song about the dragon in The Hobbit, Smog. It's no, smog. no. Okay. I mean, if you do that in your <laughs> list, you're going to have uh, autocorrect come up and correct you on that. No, Smog. And what's really funny, he has a couple of jokes in there. Um, just to reference itself, he says, uh, you will be uh, posing yourself, you know, half Rush Limbaugh, half uh, Barbara Streisand, because oh. she was kind of a little more political back in the early 90s than she yeah. is now. Yeah. And just this idea of you're presenting a front. Yeah. And it, it's really funny. And then he turns everything around at the very end. Uh-huh. And you'll hear a ranting preacher joke about all these terrible smug people and how they should be like him instead. Yeah. And it is just well done and how churches can ruin themselves by, well, basically being a celebrity. Uh-huh. And uh, celebrity culture has kind of taken a hit in the church in recent years. Yeah. And uh, maybe that's a, uh, a reminder for us. Yeah. That what we put on Instagram these days may not actually be who we are. <laughs> <laughs> what other songs on there? Oh boy, a lot of them. The next song on the album actually may be the good antidote for being smug. Mm-hmm. Um, or the next song after that, rather, uh, is called The Finish Line. Uh-huh. And it is a little more of a parable song um, about, and you, you think of Peter, or Paul, I'm sorry, Paul talking about, uh, I've run the race that is set before me. Mm-hmm. And we think of that as a hero in the Olympics. Yeah. You know, we think of that as someone who is amazing, has an amazing backstory, and they maybe had some rough times, but they get there at the end, and they are triumphant and beautiful. And, mm-hmm. you know, behind the music, if you remember VH1. Oh, yeah. You know, always had that very much set out. They started out, they took over the world, they had a problem, they fell apart. And then they ran into depression. Or... Yes, and, yes. yeah, and then they pulled themselves up by the bootstraps. No, no, not what we hear about. The Finish Line is a song about someone who starts out cocksure, cocky, mm-hmm. Um, and falls embarrassingly. Mm. And he even puts a fairly strong rebuke to those who are ready to call out the person at the middle. Mm -hmm. But at the end, it's not that they did an amazing job, it's that they finished. Yeah, yeah. And that is the point of the song. It's not that we are amazing for finishing, it's that we fell into the arms of the one who loves us. All right. Um, There's also a song very quickly called Jesus is for Losers. Yeah. And those of us who are Christians probably look at that and say, oh, okay, yeah, I totally get where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. And and unless you are new to the faith or it never came from it, you say, hey, wait a minute, where are you coming from? Yeah, yeah, the faith is for those of us who know we have nothing without our Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so that is Steve Taylor, and it is, there are some songs in there that are very funny. Um, There's a song about... uh, consumerism that is so many cow jokes in a row you may want to throw the radio after you're done but it is very silly um so and what was the name of the album again squint squint that's yes. right that's mm-hmm. right all right well that's a great start what's number two all right on this theme um you know who rich mullins is yes yes yeah. i remember 90 early 90s uh, sort of lot of, and i believe uh, Unfortunately, passed away kind of young, yeah. as I recall. Yeah, he was not particularly old. Unfortunately, died in a car crash in the late 90s. Yeah. 
Um, one of those, if you're of a certain age, you kind of know where you were when you heard that news. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he was known for the song Awesome God. Yeah, that's I how think, I remember him for. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Another one, if you're of a certain age or did uh, Sunday school even in the 90s and you're younger, yeah, you know that one. Yeah. Um, Step by Step's another one. But this album sure, is I called... Sure, I do remember that one too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this album's called A Liturgy, A Legacy, and A Ragamuffin Band. Uh-huh. And... Um, it is known as an album. It's kind of his seminal album. Really, uh-huh. it wasn't the album that put him on the on the map, but it's an album that really kind of solidified. This is someone who really takes music seriously, mm-hmm. and people are going to be remembering this album years from now. Um, it is an album that takes a lot of elements of liturgical form, something we're all used to. Yeah, you know, there's songs about confessions and peace. There's songs about liturgy and creeds. And communion, and when he's done with that, he does songs about the beauty he sees of the earth, mm-hmm. and he does it with instruments like hammered dulcimer mm-hmm. and kids' choirs and Irish lilt yeah. and these little things that you just may not think of right away to put in an album, but he does it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that sounds really cool. Um, mm-hmm. Also, so probably also came out mid '90s or something like that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. When did he mm-hmm. become sort of a household name in that in Christian music world? I Early think 90s late '80s, mid '80s. Um, he really just uh, his big thing was he wrote a song for Amy Grant in the early '80s. Okay. Yeah, and he didn't want to give it away. Uh huh. Um, just because he didn't know why he should do it. Then uh, apparently she called him personally when he was relatively young and just asked and begged, mm-hmm. and uh, was kind enough to uh, let it happen. Oh, so, yeah. I didn't know mm-hmm. that story. Sing your praise to the Lord if you mm-hmm. are looking for the song, and then he read it himself uh, shortly before his death. Oh, he read it himself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you mentioned a few of the, you know, the themes with the different, you know, parts of the liturgy. I mean, what are your, a couple of your favorite cuts from that album? I'd say one of the best songs on there is a song called The Color Green. Okay. And uh, what I really liked about uh, Rich Mullins and his ability to write was that he could take a concept as universal as a color and make it sound like the most beautiful thing in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is about creation, and it's also about just how the beauty of the earth. And it does an excellent job of describing how you probably should take a step back and just enjoy the fact that there are simple things like colors. And the Lord made a creation that is wildly expansive. Yeah. And another song, and I'll say this is probably good for our church, is Creed. Creed, yeah. Uh, it is, it's another one, it's one with a hammer dulcimer that I talked about before, uh-huh. and it includes the line, I did not make it, it is making me, which has been said about the uh, Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed many times throughout uh-huh. history. Mm-hmm. So both are great songs on there. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll look forward to checking it out. Okay, what is album number three? So there's a little theme going on, and then I'm going to get past this theme here, but... Uh, there was a guy a number of years ago named Mark Hurd, uh-huh. and unfortunately this is another person who uh, died in the early 90s. Okay. Um, Mark Hurd was a folk singer, uh, kind of a broad definition of him, uh, very prolific for a number of years, and probably one of the best uh, lyricists that has unfortunately been unheard. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, he was part of a number of musicians, and they're all were at a festival called Cornerstone. Okay. And uh, I went to Cornerstone a number of times uh, throughout the '90s, and it was a Christian music festival, but only in the loosest of senses. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't necessarily like the big worship festivals these days. It was pretty much: Are you a musician? Um, a faith, great, come over. Do you yeah. sing? Do you paint? Do you dance? Let's have you here. Um, did you write a book? Come and talk about your book. Is it fiction? Is it fact? Whichever one you want, um, come over. So a lot of kind of outside the edges of music. And Mark Hurd uh, was one of the people who was kind of considered a hero there. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very influential on a number of people. Uh 
was told that he even was invited to tour with Bob Dylan in the late 80s. Okay. And he had to turn it down, or he decided to turn it down to stay with his kids. Okay. And uh, this album is actually a tribute to him. Okay. Uh, the album is called Strong Hand of Love. Uh-huh. And it's, or called the Mark Tribute Album sometimes as well, or Mark Her Tribute Album. Uh-huh. And uh, it's uh, very diverse, uh, a little more diverse than some of the other ones. Uh, there's kind of a all over country, 90s rock, some folk, uh, all over it. It's even some soul music in there. Mm-hmm. Um, on uh, What happened was that he was playing at this Cornerstone Festival in the early 90s. Um, in the middle of a set, had a heart attack, mm-hmm. kept playing. Oh, gosh. Um, and uh, unfortunately collapsed shortly after that, after the show, um, recuperated for a short time, unfortunately died uh, mm. after that. Okay. And this album was a way for his friends and some fans to help the family financially. Okay. Uh, it earned a Grammy nomination, too. Okay. So uh, very good. A lot of different musicians on this thing. Yeah. Um, excellent, excellent album. And uh, you'll probably discover a few people on there that you're going to want to go back and look at their back catalog. So, yeah, I'm cheating here a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> what happens when you get a people get album. People can, you know, figure angles out, and I have no problem with that. <laughs> so what are, the, what are a couple of the artists and the songs that you really like on it? Well, let's see. Um, I'd say the first one is the first song on the album called Lonely Moon, uh-huh. and the artist is, uh, depending on what version of the album have, is Kevin Max. Uh-huh. Uh, if you don't recognize the name, that's okay. Uh, some of you who grew up in 90s youth group remember DC Talk. Yes. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, he was one of the guys in DC Talk. This does not sound like DC Talk. Okay. Um, at least very early DC Talk. Uh, he is the only singer... Um, has a bit of a different feel to the song. He has an incredible voice. Uh-huh. Um, and he didn't always get to show it off with that band. He really gets to show it off here. Okay. Uh, sounds excellent. Um, it's really, a really good. I have to say, I worked in radio for a number of years, mm-hmm. as you may know. Mm-hmm. Um, at least three different radio stations I was at, I played this song, and either someone stopped in the studio and said, who is singing? Yeah. Or they called up. Yeah. Um, and asked us to play it again. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> ex- excellent song. Uh, definitely a uh, one to check out. All right. And the other one is actually the last song on the album called Treasure of the Broken Land. And it's by a band called Chagall Guevara. Uh-huh. Um, and again, I'm cheating a little bit. That is a band that was briefly fronted by Steve Taylor uh-huh. in the we, early yes, 90s. We, you may have, we've mentioned, yes. Yes, we did that one on the first one. He picked up some friends uh, after a solo career and did a, an album. Uh, got a little bit of success here and there. Um, got on the soundtrack to a Christian Slater uh, movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, and then this is kind of the final thing they did as a band. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Treasure of the Broken Land was written by Mark Hurd for his father when his father died. Okay. And it is just, I will say, probably one of the toughest songs about losing a family member. Um, it is hopeful, but it is angry. Yeah. <laughs> and I think any good lament is going to have a little bit of both of those in there. You know, it is hopeful. Yeah. We know where our hope is, but we can still be angry that it happened. We can still be sad. Yes. Um, and then shortly after he died, the song kind of was associated with that as well. Okay. All right. Yeah, so definitely an excellent album. All right. Okay, well, we will take a quick break here after the first three, and we'll be right back with Justin to talk about his next three picks. back with my friend Justin. So Justin mentioned in the last segment a little bit about uh, the Cornerstone Festival. And as we, as I usually ask uh, most people, you know, is there an era that a lot of these albums tends to come from? And I know that, that Cornerstone was big for you, but what would, would you, what would you be able to tell us about like maybe an era or a time of your life that a lot of these albums come from? Well, you're probably right. The 90s is a big one. Uh-huh. Um, I... What I appreciated about the era, I have to be honest, is that it just felt so very diverse. Uh-huh. Um, the music 
yeah, yeah, alternative rock, as we used to call it, yes. was big then, but that wasn't the only thing. You know, I have to think about this a little bit. Um, I was thinking back to listening to the radio back then, and you just didn't know what you were going to get. Were you going to get a ska band? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Were you going to get a, a girl group, like in Vogue or something like mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Are you going to get... Swing, Latin, swing music, music was popular. Yeah, like, uh, Latin music was popular for mm-hmm, a while. Mm-hmm. You know, were you going to get oversized uh, neon <laughs> from early TLC? Were you going to get, <laughs> you know, a brand new album by uh, Journey? Who knows? You know, was yeah. Aerosmith going to be number one for some apparent reason? Yeah, I sitting right that. next to Snoop Dogg. We we don't know. It yeah. was such an oddly diverse era, uh-huh. and so it was just kind of fun to grow up in that. Yeah, yeah. All right, so what's number four? All right, now I'm shifting out of that a little okay. bit, and I realize some of this music came out in the 90s, but oh well. Um, so there was an animated series a number of years ago. Any chance you know Cowboy Bebop? No, I don't. Oh, okay. So it was a uh, Japanese animated TV series from, uh-huh. to be fair, the late 90s, but it didn't really come to the States until a few years later. Okay. Um, and it is a show... With a very simple premise, bounty hunters in outer space. Okay. Um, so if you saw The Mandalorian, mm-hmm. you knew what to expect. Sure. And Firefly was kind of a cult series mm-hmm. from the I've early heard of 2000s. it. I've watched one or two episodes of yeah. it, I think. Um, this predates both of them, and depending on who you ask, was very, very influential on Firefly. Okay. And I've seen both series, and yeah, I, <laughs> it's a little too close at times, but... What happened with this show about bounty hunters in outer space, uh, the people who made it commissioned a woman named Yoko Kano, Mm -hmm. I hope I'm saying that right, uh, to put out a soundtrack for it. Okay. Um, She decided with them to make an entirely original series full of jazz music. Okay. And jazz-influenced music. Uh Uh-huh. So she grabbed a band. They called themselves the Seatbelts. Okay. And they put out multiple albums worth of jazz and blues and some ballads and stuff like that, but mostly jazz and bebop music, hence Mm -hmm. the name Cowboy Bebop. Sure. You know, Cowboys Mm -hmm. in Outer Space, bebop being the music. The characters reference musicians like Charlie Parker once Mm -hmm. in a while Mm -hmm. and... You see them in smoky bars listening to harmonica solos and stuff Mm -hmm. like that by children. And so the series is good. If you've never seen it, don't worry. Um, You don't have to be into that sort of thing to know that the music is phenomenal. Okay. Um, It has this tone to it. And there's a lot of interplay between what's going on on the screen and the dialogue Mm -hmm. and the music. And you can kind of get this feel of people in outer space or people who are renegades and cowboys running from things in their life or running into lost loves and then a musical theme will come back and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but it is a lot of fun. And I had to be honest, I had to check before uh, I listed this to make sure it's actually on Spotify. And oh, it is. It is. So it should be anyway. And you said <laughs> so. it was several albums, or is this just one? Well, like it came out of the box set, Got so it. we'll call mm-hmm. it that. Well, that's a good strat- it's a good yes. strategy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Get yourself a couple of them. So yeah. any particular cuts on it? That uh, Oh, there's quite a number. Yeah, um, I'll try to pick the two or so. Sure. Um, we can do three. Okay. We can do three. There you go. <laughs> the main theme is called Tank. Uh-huh. And it is the opening theme song to the series, it has definitely made a crossover to the states in uh-huh. various ways. I remember hearing the song in between Twins innings. Okay. Uh, when people are coming up to bat. Okay. Uh, there are videos of people doing it to marching bands in the Midwest. All right. Like for halftime, uh, once in a while I hear it on the radio, mm-hmm. uh, on jazz stations. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely something. It's a lot of fun. It feels like it came out of a 70s TV cop show at times. Okay. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a great saxophone solo in the full series, okay. or the full version. Um, mm-hmm. You should definitely check out uh, a lot of... There's not much words in this whole thing, but the words let jam come up a few times. Um, <laughs> it feels like a good band mm-hmm. uh, doing a great jam. Tank. Two others will cheat on then? Okay. Oh, yeah, sure, um, you can do that. Two, uh, the other one is, 
a great name. What planet is this? Uh huh. Um, it's from they did a movie after the series, uh-huh. um, but it's all kind of in the same box set. That feels like it could have fallen right out of the shaft soundtrack at okay. times. Um, <laughs> a lot of that seventies funk mm-hmm. uh, guitar in there. A lot, uh, just another killer saxophone solo in there. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of you can just imagine people gr- jumping into their spaceship, flying off. Mm-hmm. And chasing each other down, trying to get a bounty for the day and stuff like that. You know, doing kung fu and stuff like this down the uh, alleyways, trying to get their guy mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it's a lot of fun. And then the final song is way different, uh, called Goodnight Julia. Okay. And it's a little shorter, uh, an expressive sax solo with mm-hmm. just a piano for most of it. Oh, cool. And definitely based on a lost love from a main character okay. and a lot of pensive feel to it. But it's very beautifully done. All right. Mm-hmm. I'll look forward to checking that out. Yeah. All right. What's album number five? All right. Another soundtrack here. Another um, soundtrack? Yes. The Empire Strikes Back. You may have heard of Star Wars. I Yes. 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 <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, yes. I have heard of it. It's, it's it, it occupied a small part of my imagination. Oh, you don't right? say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Empire yeah. Strikes Back, wonderful film, wonderful music. Yes, it's the rare sequel that may be better than the first, you know. A lot um, of people think that. It's definitely on par, at least. Yeah, at least. Um, so anyone over a certain age, you're going to know that main theme. You're going to see Darth Vader, and yeah. while he was kind of the villain in the first one, mm-hmm. and he did some scary things, he does some really scary things in this yeah. one. Kind of takes sudden, it to a different level, yeah. Yeah, all of a sudden that music doesn't just feel scary it feels ominous it feels a touch of dread to it yes you know so it's one of the first times growing up where i noticed a soundtrack where a character gets their own theme Mm -hmm. you know and you don't just hear it one time you don't hear it in one way when vader is brought up by yoda at one point you Mm -hmm. hear it okay reprised in a smaller scale Mm And then Yoda has a theme. Yeah, and Yoda has a theme, and it's mm-hmm. a little quirkier. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because Yoda, especially early, early on, is a bit quirky. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I feel like there's a... Um, trying to think what other... Obviously, that Imperial March theme is, yeah. is mm-hmm. you know, along with the, the normal theme that is common to all of the films, which is great. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you do keep hearing these themes throughout movies. So John Williams, who did a ton of this music. Even in the lesser Star Wars movies, you kind of knew John Williams' music was going to be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. And John Williams, mm-hmm. I think, kind of like the soundtrack of a lot of, <laughs> just of, of our lives in some ways. He's done <laughs> so many movies, all the Star Wars movies, all the Steven Spielberg movies, so E.T., yeah. Raiders mm-hmm. of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones, you know, all of these movies. And so we just, we all know his music. Yeah. By the way, 89 years old for John Williams. Really? Yep, and he just did, what, the last Star Wars movie two or three years ago? He did, and I feel mm-hmm. like, has he done any other ones recently? I feel like he might. I know, Probably. <laughs> I know Steven Spielberg, like, I think he might start actually finally be working with some other people now because John Williams is just getting so old. But Steven Spielberg has used him for, like, I think every movie. Mm-hmm. You know, Schindler's List, Jaws, you know, everything. So it's yes. quite accomplished. And, yeah, and just... I've seen him. I saw him once at the Hollywood Bowl. Um, mm. You know, mm-hmm. he was performing with the LA Phil. Oh, fun! And what was neat about it was that I feel like he came out to do a few encores, did you know the Indiana Jones March and everything else. And of course, what everybody wanted to hear was the Star Wars main <laughs> yep. thing. And I feel like yep. he, he turned to the crowd at one point and said, "Well." They don't have the music for it, but we'll we'll give it a go. And you could tell that the LA Phil just had it prepared because <laughs> when he turned around and raised his hands the music yeah. came out just fine. <laughs> well that's a great thing yeah and that's kind of my other song on it as well it's a star wars main theme it's on sure. pretty much every soundtrack mm-hmm. or on every uh movie at least the nine proper ones yeah, um, the... and if you're over a certain age you see the words a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, you just expect that music. Yeah. And it is big, it is bombastic, and if I remember right, I'm told that Lucas really took these movies from the idea of him going to see B-movies in mm-hmm. the, his mm-hmm. earlier age, mm-hmm. and they may not have been terribly sophisticated movies he grew up, but the music he just remembered being so big and mm-hmm. important, and then he said John Williams come in and polish it up and make something this memorable. Yeah, just a lot of fun to listen to. Yeah, I agree. What's your number six pick? 
All right, another instrumental. I realize I had a few in here. Um, okay. This is uh, Love Supreme by John Coltrane. Oh, a wonderful album. I love that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, that is one that I think I, I discovered that one in the... In college, and I just, mm. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yep, had it on the record player this morning. Did you? Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, so much with Coltrane, it's hard to just distill it down to how do we talk about him for three minutes, you know? Yeah. Um, I think this is kind of his era. Every artist, a lot of good artists have this era. Where this is good, this is really good. Mm-hmm. Now things get interesting. Yeah. <laughs> this is Coltrane's now things get interesting era. Yeah. You know, it's so hard to describe, and maybe that's a good thing, you know. I brought up Bebop a little earlier with yes. the Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. This is definitely one of the, This was Bebop-flavored jazz, but it seemed Bebop Plus. Yeah. You know, at some point, you know, what is he doing? You know, mm-hmm. he's just going through, and he's just playing his heart out. Mm-hmm. And something is going on, and you know, this is just not him doing a session. Yeah, you know he's got something going on in his heart and his mind, and you know it's kind of after a uh, a breakthrough in his life, a breakdown, or a breakthrough. It seemed like he was kicking the habit of some bad yeah. uh, drugs in the way, is what he yeah. was describing, and even uh, trying to reconnect with God at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's actually the first song, you know, like an acknowledgement, mm-hmm. and it's the only song with any lyrics in it. It's just him mm-hmm. saying "Love Supreme," mm-hmm. I think, sixteen times. Okay. And uh, yeah, just how much he goes in there. And the main themes kind of change for all four different songs. They're not even songs, they're more cuts. Yeah. yeah. That are in there. Or and movements the, like a symphony. Yeah, 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 like a movement. And so I'd say that first one, that acknowledgement, that opening, yeah, that opening feel to it. And I, you can kind of listen to it and say, yeah, something's going on here. Yeah. And there's that gong in the opening. Mm-hmm. And yeah. how much it gets interesting. Is. There's yeah. a um, yeah. You need a good sound system to listen to this one too, because there is a there is a part. I think it might be in the third movement mm-hmm. before it goes. I can't remember, or maybe at the beginning of where it's. There's at least a minute or two of like a bass solo mm-hmm. where he's plucking, and it's so yes. low mm-hmm. that you really. You know, I mean, there have been times when I don't have a good enough sound system where I actually can't hear what's going on, and I know it's that part because there's just it's just quiet for yeah. a while. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah. So if you get a really good sound system, get your or some headphones or something. It, it, it is it is a journey that album. Yeah, it really is. Um, so yeah, that that's definitely high on my list and definitely one to keep on. And you're right, by the way, about the bass. There's a few times if I don't yeah. have it turned up yeah. on a record, you definitely don't hear it until you uh, mm-hmm. move things around a little bit. Yeah, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'll, we will. Uh, We will take a quick break and we'll come back with your final three picks as well as your book and luxury item. (laughs) And we're back with my good friend Justin and we are going to dive into your final few picks plus your book and luxury item. But before we do that... Uh, did you have any process or, you know, philosophy when you were whittling these down? I know that you obviously were talking about, you know, going to Cornerstone and you had, you know, those things that were dear to you, your 90s stuff. But was there any sort of any dis- ways you made the decisions as which ones to eliminate? Well, um, it was kind of hard, to be honest. Uh, two thoughts were these weren't not necessarily my favorite albums. Okay. All-time favorite, and these weren't necessarily the uh, best albums I ever heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're the albums I'd want to listen to over and over. Sure. Or they're albums where I know that if I was going through a happy mood or a sad mood that week, that these would be great company. Got it. And I'm guessing being stuck down in the basement, I'm yes. going to have a little bit of uh, mood swings here and there. <laughs> I would imagine, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, what's your number seven pick, Justin? All right. This may be one of those mood swing albums. Okay. Uh, this is by a duo called Hammock. Uh-huh. And the album's called Mysterium. Okay. And Hammock is a band, kind of a duo, uh, led by a guy named Mark Bird. Okay. And even if you don't know the name, you probably know a song or two that he had a hand in if mm-hmm. you've been to Church of the Cross or okay. many churches, to be honest, for the last 20 years. He helped write a song called God of Wonders. Mm-hmm which is kind of popular for a few years there. Um, 
after he wrote that, around the time he wrote that, he started transitioning his music to more ambient music. Okay. And often instrumental music around the mid two thousands. One of the albums he wrote was actually so ambient he intended it for you to fall asleep to. Okay. Uh, maybe more than one of those albums actually. Yeah. And very calm music at times. Very. I guess I said the word ambient already, but very instrumental, very calming, sometimes background music, but sometimes so dissonant that you have to move it to the forefront to pay yeah. attention to what they're doing as a group. Yeah. Uh, Mysterium is an album of lament, mm-hmm. um, and it is definitely probably the saddest song or the saddest album uh-huh. on here. Uh-huh. Don't worry, they're not all like this. Uh, but <laughs> uh, this one is for his nephew who died. Okay. His nephew died at a relatively young age due to a genetic disease. Okay. And the album is a lament. It's also a tribute uh, to his sister. Okay. Uh, who has gone through so much uh, with this disease over the years. Okay. Most of the album is instrumental. Uh, you're still going to get this feeling of longing and sadness and this feeling of uh, him working through all of the emotions he's having at once. Mm-hmm. Um going on in this but it is beautifully done and there's some words here and there uh but not uh very often yeah yeah and how many i it's uh how many cuts are on the album it's like if it's just instrumental is there several or is it 11 11 okay i'm looking it up right now yeah all right yeah and Mm -hmm. and what, what are your faves oh that's so hard and i'd say two songs on here that probably do a good job of giving you a little idea of what's going on. The beauty of things burn. Uh-huh. Um, there is some coral going on in the background, and you're going to kind of catch what the coral is doing. Yeah. Um, going on. And by the way, I brought up the band before. Uh, one of the people playing on this is on uh, strings is Matt Slucum, who is in Sixpence and the Richer. Okay, there you go. Yeah, so like some of these do tie together. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, but uh, it's beautifully done. Uh, and then the last song on the album is This Is Not Enough. Okay. And it's called an epilogue. Okay. And you kind of get the feeling that this is after everything has happened, after mm. the lament, mm-hmm. after the major time. I think of this song as uh, someone who's gone through the funeral, has gone through the preparation, has, in our circles of church, done the liturgy of the funeral, has done the burial, and yet you know we're not done lamenting. Yeah. Um, this is not enough. We know that things aren't right. Mm-hmm. And he's even saying this is not enough in a... He's not saying that in a way... Uh, I had a English professor bring up to me. Uh, she hated the songs and the lyrics from Christians that said, everything is terrible, but Jesus makes it better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this is not that. This mm-hmm. is saying we know this is not right. Yeah. And so, like I said, probably one of the sadder albums on here, but definitely keep it uh, with you. Okay. As you would in the basement. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, once in a while you're going to have to get that reminder in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there are different seasons to the church calendar and the church yeah. year, and that we need all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your number eight pick? All right. Uh, there's a band called King's X. Uh-huh. Uh, had you heard of them before we talked? Yeah, I've heard of them. I, I, I wouldn't know much, but I've definitely heard of them. Okay. Uh, King's X, sometimes being credited as being the fathers of grunge. Uh-huh. Uh, bands like Pearl Jam uh, definitely credit them as an influence. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, uh, Pearl Jam started using a 12-string bass at one point mm-hmm. shortly after King's X okay. got to be known. So a little bit of not surprise there. Yeah. Uh, they started out as a backup band for some various groups in the 80s. By the mid-late 80s, they formed a trio. Uh-huh. And they've been the same three guys uh, ever since their first album. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is really different about a trio, though, is that they all have their own unique talents and they all sing at the same time. Uh, a lot of their songs will have two and three part harmony, which is mm-hmm. really kind of odd for a band you consider mm-hmm. as a hard rock band. Uh, the lead singer is a guy named Doug, and uh-huh. he has just an incredible baritone voice. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have listened to him some 30 years after their first album and say, wow, he's still got it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just does a wonderful job. Uh, 
like I said, they do some unique uh, guitar stuff and some bass. In fact, the first number of years as a signed band, uh, the guitarist would put a drape over his equipment so no one could copy him. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and apparently trying to figure out what how he was getting this tone out of his guitar was... Like, people would go sneak around and try to get to the roadies and figure <laughs> yeah, this out. Right. He, he told everyone eventually, but yeah. it's such a unique... And this album called Gretchen Goes to Nebraska is one of those early albums okay. where everyone's wondering, how are you doing this? Yeah. Um, what would happen on a lot of these albums is that they would all, just the three of them, come up with a very simple style, but it sounded so effective, and then they'd all sing at some mm -hmm. point on a different song. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of unique stuff going on in this album. There's a lot of C.S. Lewis references. Oh, perfect. <laughs> um, in fact, the first album, and confusingly, the first song on this album is called Out of the Silent Planet. Uh-huh. Which uh, there's some uh, references here and there, other places uh, that they use as well. Yeah. Um, it's definitely the most atypical song. So uh -huh. if you ever hear that song, that's not how they sound like anything else. Okay. Um, <laughs> But uh, I'd say one of the first songs uh, people know, if they know a song by them, is Over My Head. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of autobiographical song about uh, lead singer Doug's uh, growing up with his grandmother, mm -hmm. knowing gospel music, mm -hmm. and singing these songs as he's going to bed, and mm -hmm. how much of an influence that was on his life. Mm -hmm. And uh, you really kind of get this idea from him... Uh, how important this music was to him, and even some questions he had about growing up yeah. in a religious home. Yeah. Um, yeah, in fact, uh, the second song on here uh, is called Burning Down. Uh -huh. And speaking of religious influences, the last few minutes is a guitar solo, and beautifully done, and if you grew up in any church circles, you're going to know what it's based off of. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and this is their other lead singer, a guy named Ty. He's a guitarist. Uh -huh. He has a voice that sounds absolutely nothing like Doug's. Uh -huh. um, if Doug is a rich baritone voice, he has a little high tenor voice. Uh -huh. And they complement exceptionally well for being two very different people okay. uh, vocally. And uh, this is mostly an instrumental, but you do get three singers at the same time for a lot of it. Uh -huh. A lot of interplay between uh, two people singing one part, another vocalist singing another part, just very much an interplay between them and then a long instrumental at the end, which is wonderfully done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. And, and so there was a couple songs. One of them was uh, Burning... The Burning Down Burning was down. that last one, Over My Head. Over and my I head. was <laughs> cheating a little bit just because... Uh, as I think of music that's really influential to me, this band really is, even though I'm not much of an instrumental a guitar or bass especially, um, they did work with harmonies that were so unique and mm -hmm. so different. And uh, people would go back and study, what are you guys doing on this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, there's a song on another album of theirs uh, called uh, We Were Born to Be Loved, where they're singing major seconds mm -hmm. in the... Verses and mm -hmm. you know, oh, no one does that, you know. <laughs> and um, in fact, it must have been so influential at some point. Uh, Dave Letterman's uh, band, yeah. uh, what's the guy's name? I just lost Paul Schaefer. Paul Schaefer, yes, yes. yes. Um, <laughs> Paul Schaefer started doing that as they'd come in and out of breaks, would okay. start playing We Were Born to Be Loved okay. and complain in some of their other songs. Okay. And so, if you didn't hear the band. Uh, you may have heard it in other contexts like that. They played Woodstock 94. Okay. And uh, covered Jimi Hendrix. Okay. And, in fact, kind of the infamous comment someone made after that was all people, Howard Stern, saying this was the only good band there. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I so, was a yeah. big Letterman fan, so my guess yeah. is, is if I listened mm -hmm. to the, the song, I probably would at least have heard it. So. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yep, yep. Everyone at the time... And people who go back and listen say, how was this band not the biggest thing of the 90s? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So you've taken us lots of different places. You have eight <laughs> albums down. What is your final pick, Justin? All right. This is the most recent or second most recent on my list. Uh, Liz Weiss, mm -hmm. uh, There's a Light. Okay. Uh, Liz, we've probably sung a few Liz's songs or... If you don't remember, go back and look at the bulletin once in a while. Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to see her name here and there. I know Andine has used some of her songs for offertories and outros before. Okay. 
Yeah. Uh, Liz started out helping with music in her church and mm -hmm. uh, was encouraged to sing more and more, even though she had some qualms about doing that. Then eventually yeah. some friends helped her complete an album, helped write some music that they thought would go well with her range, and boy, did they. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. did a wonderful job. She just has this wonderful, soulful R&B Motown feel to this album. In fact, even some of the production sounds like it came from that era. There's yeah. a few times she sings so loud you hear some distortion uh -huh. on the microphone. And so that definitely throw back to some 60s Motown there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, she just does a great job. A lot of prayers and praise on this album. Yeah. Um, which is very common yeah. uh, for her. And it is just a lot of fun. She actually got interviewed on NPR about this album, which okay. of all people, you know, or of all albums, you know, mm -hmm. this is such a very, very church-oriented album yeah. that she would get that. It's kind of a neat thing. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, what are a couple of the songs on there that you love? Well, uh, I'd say the first one is Empty Me Out. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, it was so funny. A few years ago, I went to a show with her, or for her, rather, and she just said, you know, I've done the song so many times, someone else come sing it. And so she invited like a half dozen people to get up there. We, yeah. Uh, so and it's you a were, great and one. you were a mom. Did, did you go up there? Oh, no, yeah, you no. would have done great. You have great no, voice. No. I do not have her range. Oh, okay, no, no, fair no, no, no. You don't want to hear me singing that, that high. Um, <laughs> Empty Me Out's a great one. It yeah. really is. It's got a good uh, beat to it. Mm -hmm. uh, it definitely would be a good example on there. Mm -hmm. And the other one is the entrance. And wow. since we are in the middle of Easter, yes. Tide, uh, we are getting to Pentecost. This is a great Pentecost song. Okay. It is about the Holy Spirit feeling you. Uh -huh. I'll just say that. It's a great prayer. Mm -hmm. um, she also, it's a little quieter, a little smokier feel to the song. Mm -hmm. um, I did joke with Andine. She does have to pull this out of Pentecost sometime. Mm -hmm. um, Liz does a phenomenal job on this song she mm -hmm. really really gets into it okay. <laughs> and it is a lot of fun all right well i will look, for, I look forward to to continuing to explore more music and listening to the lids vice i have had the opportunity <laughs> to hear her voice and she is great i've really enjoyed um and just kind of a it's funny when i when i've heard her voice mm -hmm. i feel like i know it from somewhere because oh, it, nice. it does it, it does sort of Kind of what you were saying about Motown or whatever. There's a there's a feel to her voice that is familiar, even though I've never heard it before. So it, yeah, I've, I've I've enjoyed it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a that's a great pick of nine there. So as you know, you are also entitled, besides a book and a common prayer and a Bible, to one book. What would the one book be? And I've had some people tell me that the book is actually harder to figure out than, no. <laughs> the, than the music because you only get one. What is your book? Oh, boy. Let's see. Uh, Wrinkle in a Time. Oh, yes. Yeah, Madeline Langle. Mm -hmm. Madeline Langle. Thank it's you It's been much. a while yeah. since I've read it. I, I, oh. <laughs> I, um, I've read it a couple times. But it is really good. So I should find the cover of that one that I got to read in eighth uh -huh. grade, uh, Wrinkle in Time. Uh, so eighth grade, our reading class, uh, we got to choose from a bunch of different books. And uh, I chose the book that had a unicorn and a rainbow on the front of yes, it. Yes, um, That was kind of just because, or not a unicorn, but yeah, a flying uh, horse with children on it and a <laughs> rainbow. And uh, mostly because everyone else was looking at it, especially the boys saying, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Fine, I'll take a look at it. And sure enough, I chose wisely, I gotta admit. Um, right. It was an exceptionally good book. Yeah. Um, a very, very, very creative, a lot of fun. You have to enjoy when the main character has a bit of a temper uh -huh. uh, and is a bit impatient. Mm -hmm. And I have to admit, one of my favorite lines in there, I used it the other week with someone, is uh, one of the characters is telling our, our hero, Meg, Mm -hmm. uh, at the very end, you know, what are you going to give me as a gift? I give you your faults. You're going to find them quite useful. <laughs> Just one of my favorite, you know, you know, maybe the things that you think are holding you back the most are what you need. You know, maybe these personality things you think are deficits are actually traits. And some genuine, uh, as I recall, genuine like dark sort of scary oh, yeah. moments in the book. Yeah, it's 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 got a very wide range. Yeah, in yeah. Terms of, uh, going from fantasy mm -hmm. to sort of almost a touch of. I mean, horror. Yeah. I don't quite go that far to say horror, but it's it, there's some scary stuff in it, but not, but still something that a, a young person can enjoy. I mean, my, yeah. my 
Mm -hmm. My kids have read it. I remember mm -hmm. my daughter, Corey, really liked it when oh, she good. read it. Yeah. Good. It's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. And there are sequels. I haven't gotten through all of them yet. But, oh, really? Um, but what's... I don't think oh, I've ever goodness. read those. I have to take a quick second here. Dustin's going through his laptop here. Make sure you can... Panicking. As I, uh, <laughs> you, you think that... It, yeah. Well, you only allowed me one. Oh, sure. Yeah. You, know, yeah, so yeah, you didn't need to do any reader. <laughs> it is called The Time Quintet, okay. if you're wondering. A Wind okay. in the Door. I did read that one. One. Yeah, a, a swiftly tilting planet, mm -hmm. many waters, which I forgot about, and then an acceptable time I did not even know was a book that came out almost 30 years, 25 years rather, after the first one, and okay. it is about Meg's child. So there's so, several books. There. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, you are also entitled in your sojourn in the basement mm -hmm. to one lecture item. What would that be? Well, if I had to do this, I would even sign a uh, a contract that I would stay off of music, okay. but uh, radio. Oh yeah, so radio. Yeah. So uh, the uh, so talk or uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe less talk. At least like talk radio is a defined talk radio. Yeah. But um, I grew up listening to radio at night when mm -hmm. you could get stations from across the country or across mm -hmm. the world, for that matter. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite memories with uh, my father was one time we were doing a cross-country trip, and I remember coming into a small town, you know, in the middle Midwest somewhere, and listening to a minor league baseball game, you know, in the middle of the night, mm -hmm. and my dad saying, man, this, this announcer is better than most of the national guys. They're really big shots. And so, yeah, there's a, <laughs> there's a magic, especially at night, mm -hmm. to that sound yeah. of the radio. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so that I mean, I like I said, I grew up listening and listening to international radio, mm -hmm. and it's such a different world at times. Mm -hmm. So, if you got to be stuck in the basement, you may as well have some sort of outlet to there the real go. world. All right. Mm -hmm. All right, Justin. Well, thank you so much for going through your picks with me. Uh, we you. will look forward to uh, checking out your Spotify playlist, and. Uh, as always, it's always great to talk with anybody about music, but in particular, it was really good to talk with you about it. Well, you too. All right, Justin. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you, Justin, for a great time talking about music particularly taking a stroll down memory lane to the 90s. If you have never listened to The Love Supreme by John Coltrane, definitely get ready for an amazing experience. Buckle in. Also, Liz Weiss was such a great find for me. I was not familiar with her work and have absolutely loved what I have heard. It was also great to hear Rich Mullins again for the first time in a long time, as well as the other music that Justin shared. It was great to hear, and I thank Justin for hanging out with me. There is so much happening at Church of the Cross as we begin to open up. If you are looking for ways to connect at church, check out our weekly emails, our bulletin, or just contact me, your pastor of connecting. My email address again is joel at ofthecross.org. Our next episode will break the mold just a bit. It will feature my first couple on the show, my good friends David and Jennifer Asp. But until then, may the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you.